Hi, this is presenter Christodinopoli, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity, a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R each Sunday afternoon. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at IndigenuityAU. So we are into the portion of today we're about to speak to today's guest, which is very exciting. So we're going to be speaking with Kent Morris. Kent is a Barkindji man with over 20 years of experience as a practicing artist and curator. He is a graduate of the Victorian College of the Arts and is the creative director of the not-for-profit organization The Torch, who provide cultural and arts industry support to First Nations people who are incarcerated and those recently released from prison in Victoria. Kent has a strong interest in the educational and healing potential of the arts and in 2011 joined The Torch to design, develop and deliver the Indigenous Arts in Prisons and Community program. The program supports the development of self-esteem, confidence and resilience through cultural strengthening and artistic expression. The Torch assists artists to reconnect with culture and earn income from art sales, licensing and projects. The Torch takes no commission on sales, so 100% of the artwork price is going directly to the artist, which is very exciting because you actually currently have the opportunity to purchase some of these artworks. So there is an ongoing exhibition just opened a couple of days ago called Future Dreaming Visions of the Future from the Torch. This exhibition, um, it will be running until the 24th of November at the Torch Gallery on Elgin Street in Carlton. And so gallery hours from Tuesday to Friday, you can visit from 1 to 5 p.m. Saturday from 10 till 2 p.m. And the artworks are priced usually around $230 to $330. Once again, with 100% of the sale going to the artist, Kent Morris, welcome to Indigenuity. Thank you so much for having me. Boy, what an intro. No, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's me cutting things out too. You have a lot, you have an incredible career and you're working on something very special. So, um, you know, there's a lot to be said about it. Uh, I wanted to start off by asking if you could give us, I guess, um, better insight into what the torch is. Yeah, starting with the easy questions. Okay, so around 12 and a half years ago, the torch was engaged to develop a pilot program to support. First Nations people whose lives have been impacted by incarceration and were experiencing incarceration, and to build a year-round program that would support them on that journey, not only through the prison, but on that journey back to connecting with community. So an 18-month pilot program was forged, and the reason I believe that we are where we are today with you know, 26 staff, close to 700-plus men and women artists, people connected to this program, is that the first thing that happened was I went out and just spoke to a mob in the prisons and asked them what do they think this program would look like. We, we exchanged stories, so I told them my story, we shared stories, but then this idea around what the program would be came from their lived experiences, their perspective, their knowledges, um, and what they knew or hoped would be able to support them to remove themselves from the criminal justice system through this process of what we looked at as art, but the most important aspects that the artists in the program wanted to be supported with was cultural information, cultural resourcing, cultural knowledge, what to paint about. The constant um, statement was, we don't know what to paint. We're painting, but we don't, really don't know what to paint because we haven't had our, our stories handed down or we've, you know, there's been so much disconnection and, and fragmenting of our our culture, our families, um, our connection to our country. We know there's something here that really works for us, but we want to fine-tune it. We want to supercharge it in a way. We need to know 
who we are, where we're from, so we can paint about that. And the second most important aspect from the, the people who were engaging with the program was how do we make money? How can we improve our economic circumstance? How can we participate economically? What's this arts industry? What are our paintings worth? The licensing, sales, intellectual property, how does it all work and how can we be part of that so that we can build economic resilience and independence to support our reconnection and, and you know, realise our potential when we're out of here? Yeah, wow. And so I guess that's a, a grand evolution. So you're starting off from a rather sort of small team, an 18-month pilot program, and now you have an incredible amount of staff and you're aiming to, I guess, address a wide range of sort of needs for these people. So can you t- speak us through, I guess, a bit about like that evolution of the torch? Yeah, look, absolutely. So above and beyond any other aspect, the highest uh, important aim for the program, and we hear this and we've heard it from day one and still today. You know, I want to remove myself from this system. I want, in inverted commas, a normal life. I want to make sure that my kids don't come down this pathway. I want to make change and I want to address what's the circumstances surrounding me through this process. And so, the, of course, the aim is to reduce the overrepresentation of our mob in the criminal justice system. And that's almost unspoken in a way because that's... Uh, the serious issue that this is all formulated around and the men and women know that acutely well they're living it and so the challenge for the torch was how do we best support the ambitions and and, and concerns that the that people in the program had around not only you know we're touching on art and then connection to the arts industry and all the benefits that that can bring but just around a lived experience as well that has challenges beyond the prison walls and so significantly the fact that it's one of the only programs that in the country that is a through program that pro- delivers that program in all the 15 prisons of Victoria but also delivers that program for people transitioning back to community and all of the challenges that they face during that process. So when you talk about a small staffing body, and there was 1.5 of us mm. back in the day and there might have been around in that first 18 months, you know, 100 or so um, participants in the program. So fast forward now with our, our 26 staff, um, I think it's currently probably 16 of that staffing body are, are First Nations creatives and community members and, and half of those are actually men and women who've come through the program oh, and working at the torch, delivering that program and working in all different aspects of our organisation and again, constantly providing their lived experiences, perspectives and knowledges to formulate together with all of our staff and of course, our board that share a First Nations and non-First Nations backgrounds to really build that crossover of, of, of combining knowledges and information and support to address an issue that this country is just not addressing. Yeah, which is um, shocking when I read the stats associated with overrepresentation in um in the prison system, which is uh, really confronting. So being 3% of the population, but from what I read, around 30%, was yep. it? Around the adult prison population, which is very confronting. What, um, I guess, like, what strength do you think there is in the fact that you've approached this program by speaking with community, speaking with those affected about what they felt like they needed to get from it? Yeah, and it's the way we go about our business and it's the way we know that successful programs or those programs that can provide impacts, you know, positive impacts. This is a huge issue, you know, mm. we're, we're chipping away at the surface, but we're making significant impacts. So 
in our most recent evaluation, our return to prison rate for participants in the program who stayed connected to the in-community program for a year after release was down to 11%. Mm. This is against around a 55%, 55 to 60% return to prison rate on average. Recidivism for our mob is high yeah. and it's often because nothing's changing. Nothing's being done to provide that support for, you know, our people that are in these circumstances. And I've not heard one person say, I want to be in here. I want to be here. This is, this is great. Yeah. It's all about, I want to change. How can, we, how can we make that happen together? So I think the... The combination of knowledge is so the before I was even walked in the door of the torch to begin to develop the pilot program, even before I'd left the Curry Heritage Trust where I was working, before I went out the door, Uncle Sandy Atkinson had already said two things to me that were a part of his 40-year knowledge of trying to make uh, change and provide a way forward in this space. He said, one, don't take this job if you cannot ensure you will turn that pilot program into an ongoing, fully-fledged program. And this is based on the still the ongoing history of our pilot programs that we develop. Our community puts our heart and soul into it and develops pilot programs, and then they often struggle to find ongoing funding. Mm. And, you know, we won't delve into the reasons for that, but it's something that's been ongoing. He said, don't take this on because you'll be the most unpopular blackfella in town. And what, you know, what he was referring to was everyone wants that, ray of sunshine, that, that hope that change can be made. And don't go in there for 18 months for a pilot. You make sure you, 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 you build that into a permanent program. That was always in the back of my mind. And I knew the 18 months would come to an end and there would be a challenge to find that. But he'd already planted that seed well before I started at mm. the torch. The other seed he planted was, we've been, he said, these are, I can never forget these words. We've been fighting for 40 years for our people in the prisons to be able to sell their artworks while in prison to get a, you know, an economic foot up on the way out of the door. He said, it's your turn now, the 40-year fight, and he almost handed it over to me. And at that point in time, I thought, good grief, if you mob couldn't get it done, what chance have I got? <laughs> <laughs> but what he'd um, instilled in me, what I would understand later, was that there's 40 years already. There's a mountain of 40 years for you to stand on. <laughs> so now get the last pieces of the puzzle done. And so I guess that's the way that our programs and community uh, sharing of knowledge is about how we support each other. He's supporting me on the back of a a huge array, decades of of knowledge and experience. He's giving that to me early to then take into that program. And so before this wonderful fella passed up in Shepparton Hospital, I was able to ring him to say, we got that policy done. We can now sell the artworks, 100% goes to the artists. And it was a number of things that came into play, but the foundation was the 40 years our mob had been advocating, fighting, you know, tirelessly, continually, getting knocked back, but then we got it done. And that's part of the reason we have so much success in the program comes down to that ability to sell the works and all of the benefits that brings. And they're not just economic benefits, mm. they're benefits around self-esteem and well-being. Some of the responses when artists sell their first works, it's it's extraordinary. But also to understand that together and with the combined knowledges, we can create change. I find people have a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a big uh, barriers go up, particularly around our incarceration. Mm. It's too hard, this and that, la-da-da. Well, it's not. I mean, it is. But we can do something about it 
by combining our knowledges and find, fighting and finding ways to build on all of the experience and generosity of our elders and people in the program to combine these knowledge areas and build something that then creates change. Yeah, absolutely. And so I've seen, like, as I can see that there's a lot of benefit from um, participation in the program and leading to better outcomes even within the justice system. As you said before, that 11% sort of return into the system versus a usual 50%. What do you think it is about your program that leads to those positive outcomes? Yeah, it's a good question. And I'll have to just refer to the the voices of the, of the artists in the program and from mm. the evaluation. It's been a, a number of things. I mean, the thing, the first one is it was built on their lived experiences, knowledges mm. and perspectives. Two, it's sometimes the first time they've had access to cultural resourcing to understand what the history of Yorta Yorta or Gunai Kurnai or, or, or Parkinji culture looks like and not just in a, a brief overview in terms of always pictures of country, creation stories, history of the mob, significant, you know, community contributors, past and present, bush tucker, language, contemporary and, 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 you know, artists who've been working in the past who may not be with us still, but just to see the rich culture and um, community that, that they're from and to then follow that journey in whichever way they would like. Is it is it photos, sourcing photos of, of ancestors they've never seen? Are there documents and mentions in other books, just things to build that strengthening and then to share that, well, to paint it or to create an artwork, whether it's through, you know, beautiful belongings, woodworks, weavings, crochet, um, ceramics or paintings, to express that, to express your culture and then to share it with the broader community and to get to a point of, I guess, of of strength and confidence and and self-esteem to be able to do that because that's also can be a big hurdle to jump. Mm. So there's a lot of empowering moments through the smaller moments. And also as the men and women and all people in the program say to us, you know, the torch cares. We actually care. Often our mob in the prisons just feel forgotten, silenced, invisible. But we understand how much potential is in our prison walls, which is a constant theme. Um, You think of Pat Dodds and how many times he might have said that around the potential behind the prison walls. Mm. We see that every day. And then we see on the transition back to community how that potential through this process can be unleashed. And it's the artists doing the work. We're just supporting them with that process, but they're doing the hard yards because they're the ones wanting to create the change and benefit themselves and their families and the community. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to ask, before I jump into speaking about the, the exhibition, um, you're also talking about that transition after, right? So the, um, the support through the program while incarcerated and having, you know, so many positive outcomes afterwards, um, having, I guess, like return participants as well as even becoming staff. Um, so how, are, I guess, are you able to make sure that you don't sort of forget or um, lose contact or track with um, people as they pass through the program? Yeah, it's challenging, super challenging. So we've worked very hard to support artists in the program, particularly on the release from prison, because it can be that, mm. that cycle. We've seen it represented in so many stories and and uh, information around painting the prison or create and connect the culture inside and then leave it at the prison door and then your yeah. older life or your, your past life kind of resumes on the outside. So... That's been something we've worked incredibly hard at and the numbers back in the past were always a little bit out of, out of whack, understandably. 
now we've been really been able to even up those numbers in the in the in community program and it's really just been through the hard work done by our extraordinary indigenous arts officers who are all first nations creatives to support the men and women to understand the program does continue on the outside but also to provide that culturally safe environment um, to build an organization that has at its strength that can that compassion and connectivity and the fact that we understand it's a long journey and mm-hmm. for some the journey and the road's bumpy and it's up and down and particularly some of our mob who've been uh, connected to the justice system since juvenile justice since their early days well it's just around patience there's no cut-off point um, the program is there and tailored to, the, to each individual's needs it's not a one-size-fit-all it's not a sort of c- c- curriculum it really is done in a way as best we can and with the numbers that we're now experiencing to find those personal and and cultural connecting points and I guess provide an environment where the artists feel comfortable to maintain that uh, beyond the prison walls and we've built additional elements to it public projects so we now have a mural arm of the torch, which trains and upskills artists in the program to paint murals publicly and to support that design process. The idea of having employment and a job. Mm. Some of these things are really new for for people in the program. So it's just around f- thinking collectively and listening to what artists in the program say and what their challenges are and what might best support them. And for us to try and do the best we can with the resourcing we have at each particular point in time to put those support processes in place. Perfect. And then, so I, now I want to chat to you about this exhibition that's ongoing at the moment. Um, just a couple of days in, but already off to a really wonderful start. Um, so the exhibition is called Future Dreaming, Visions of the Future. And this is something that you've actually done before in previous years as well. So could you tell us a bit about what this exhibition is and what you're aiming to achieve with it? It's an extraordinary exhibition. It's now become a, our second annual exhibition. We have mm. The confined exhibition's always been a part of the program since day one. Constantly in our evaluations, the in-prison program mob would always say, we want more exhibition opportunities. There was a real desire and a real ambition to to share the the stories, to be painting and not just have this once-a-year opportunity to to share those stories, which served the program and everyone very well until a point in time and the numbers have just kept building and building in the program. So... This desire for want to have more connection to the community is what, what it's really about, to be able to share these stories and have that connection. It's constantly on our minds and then COVID hit and we had a lot less connectivity. We couldn't deliver the program in prisons or in community for most of the time and the the mob in the prisons were locked down in lockdown and mm-hmm. it was very challenging. And so Susanna Day, our extraordinary CEO, she had a, had an idea around how do we get... What can we do? And this is, again, when, when the challenges come up, what can we do? And, and this idea of how ingenious we are um, is to work with the, particularly the, the First Nations program delivery staff. How, can we, how could we do this? So an idea was born around the 30 centimetre by 30 centimetre pre-stretched canvases. We could get them into the prisons and we could get them back out during COVID. And so Future Dreaming was born. And again, it was based on that idea of what expressions of of hope and thinking around what the future may bring mm. um, and for particularly during that COVID period to be able to have your your voice heard and have connection even though there was no physical connection but to have that that cultural and that spiritual and that community connection and so the first year that we 
we ran the exhibition, there was a really bit of trial and tribulation about getting the canvases in and getting them back and how we would formulate that whole process. But it was so incredibly successful. And the works that the artists made, as people will see when they either go to our website or visit our beautiful gallery in Carlton, is they're just, they're just extraordinary and, and beautiful. And, and the ideas and thoughts and, and heartfelt messages are on these very small canvases mm. but you'd think they were two meter by two meter not 30 centimeter by 30 centimeter the, the power that's in yeah. them and the kind of the the storytelling and the strength and the and the hope and the beauty that's in them as well this is part of the the program that or part of this process that takes some people by surprise but for our, our mob incarcerated that idea of our resilience and, and and the enduring hope that we have against a whole lot of obstacles and odds can be shared so powerfully through our culture. Yeah. And it's a, I think it's a great privilege for, for all of us to have access to those stories and voices and to understand that we can be part of creating change. You can be part of creating change by coming to the torch and, and, and looking at it and telling your, your friends and family. You can buy the works and then share those with friends and family as well. There's ways that we can take this story, as Uncle Sandy Atkinson did with me, to share his journey and his story and say, hey, now this part. Well, we're all, we all need to be part of the solution for this. And that's why I think the artists are, I mean, they're painting, but they're almost like singing so loudly and hoping that ears on the other side will listen and, and take action with us. Oh, that's so beautiful. And just... Um like, cause I've seen as well, like I've, I've, I love your Instagram. So shout out to the, the fact that there's an Instagram page, there's the website where you can be checking out these um, artworks and also just seeing the wonderful work that you're all doing. Um, but just that sort of imagery, I guess, of uh, visions of the future, that resilience, that sort of look forward, um, I I think is, as you've said, you mm. capture so much, such so a two meter or like thousand words captured in such a 30 by 30 centimeter little canvas. So I do really encourage everyone to check it out. Um, I guess we do have some some audio clips of some of the this is um correct me if i'm wrong so this is some of the artists explaining the, i guess like the story or the messaging behind their works right yeah something that's really strong in the torch philosophy and, and in, our, in our culture is around the the voices of the artists being heard and mm. this is a complex one because all of the artists are incarcerated at the point of production so these clips will be a combination of our first nations <coughs> first nation staff reading some of the stories and I think we had a couple of artists who had been released in between submitting the works and oh. Future Dreaming being on. So wow. it's just a really nice way to, to acknowledge those stories. Wow, that's incredible too. So um, uh, just before, sorry, before we start playing the audio clips, but would that mean that some of these artists who created the works while incarcerated then have the opportunity to be attending the exhibition and to see their art up on the wall? And Well, we had one fella come. He'd been released the... The day before, wow. and came into the gallery, he could see the exhibition, and you know, he had a whole lot of works to uh, for us to look at and, and to bring into the gallery. And he was able to one of the, I guess, one of those who just had good timing yeah. to to be released in that window when the exhibition was on. Um, he's off to, to Darwin to serve his, to serve a, a parole up there. But throughout the program, one of the really empowering moments so there's many empowering moments around the in community mob to be able to not only yes physically come to the exhibitions mm. either on their own with, with family and, and community to work setting those exhibitions up so um, we always have artists from the program installing exhibitions and that would have, this is true also for future dreaming and so that collective cohesion and working together and that there's no 
discrimination. There's no limits put on what anyone can do. Yeah. And if they have that, whatever the ambitions and desires are, we try and fulfil that as best we can. Um, and just to understand that, you know, I hear that line all the time. It drives me nuts, you know, like most non-Indigenous Australians don't know, don't know us. Mm. Well, here's a great way to get to know, to get to know us. Not only what we can do and achieve as together, but understand how thoughtful and generous and sharing that we are. And if you don't know a pers- an Aboriginal person, well, then you won't know an Aboriginal person who's experienced incarceration yeah. and all of the images and stereotypes that might bring up. But this smashes that down. It breaks all those barriers, not only for the artist, but for the community. Yeah, beautiful. All right, let's give a listen to some of these um, artist introductions. This is Yorta Yorta artist D. Kerr's Future Dreaming. This is the story of my future and my freedom from prison. The meeting place is all the places I will be able to go. It's surrounded by my family, friends, my partner and new people to come. The spirit people or loved ones I've lost since being in prison. The snake and her eggs represent the long and fertile future and life that lays ahead for me, a future I look forward to. This is Kunti Jamara and Bunurong artist Dex's Future Dreaming. The sulfur crested cockatoo is my totem. As weeks pass by, I keep seeing a cockatoo around the jail. It's as if it's waiting for me to be released, to take me home to country, to reconnect with family and culture on country. This is Wurrumi artist Darren's Future Dreaming. Everybody has gathered by the water to welcome me back home. We all sit around the campfire telling stories about the things we've done over the years I've been away. I have depicted myself with shield and spear to signify coming home after a long battle, still ready to protect those I love. I can't wait to be singing and dancing around the fire back home. This is Yorta Yorta and Wemba Wemba artist Shubs' future dreaming, kangaroo and emu dreaming. When I was a young fella, we used to always go out camping. At night, we went out shooting with my uncle and shot some kangaroos and emus. My grandmother would make us some stew or some rissoles, so every time I see them, I think about my nan. Wow. So that's just four little snapshots, but my goodness, such an insight into four, just even there, four very unique stories. Um, how, how does this make you feel, I guess, like listening to it and hearing that sort of uh, expression of, the, I guess, either the future that they're envisioning, um, the things that are very important for them outside of that life incarceration? Yeah, it looks very, it's very emotional. I, th- I think it really reinforces how important it is for our community to have, to have a voice and to have more than that, to be able to have the, the resourcing and, and support to, to build our programs, to resolve the issues that are essentially ongoing impacts of colonisation, particularly around incarceration. Mm. And this is, you know, eloquently expressed in the Uluru Statement you know, we're not an innately criminal people, yeah. yet we form, you know, these excruciatingly high percentages of incarcerated people in this country. So incarceration was brought to this country and it was brought in a way that was so incredibly unjust and it was completely racially discriminatory and, and it still is today. Yeah. So to hear these voices and to say, you know, this is how I'm addressing it. We need all of Australia to come on 
come on board with us to say, well, let's all let's all address it. Let's listen to this positively. Let's see these extraordinary expressions and understand that, you know, the criminality that we face is often because just of who we are. And this is unacceptable. It's been unacceptable since day one. Yeah. But we're still not addressing it in a meaningful way. But here's an example of how those impacted by it have built a program that supports them to release themselves from this system. Yeah, wow. And each painting... I would implore people when they go down to, to see the exhibition or, or view it online, 247 paintings. Well, you're talking with 247 First Nations people here. 247 different futures to be seen. Right. And, and from language groups all around the country. So here, here's the diversity, you know, again, to, to keep belting down that idea that we are not a, you know, one homogenous mob of people. We mm. come from many different backgrounds, many different language groups. But I think there's one thing we could all have in common is that we want to see this incarceration rate that we represent 3% of it, not 30 effing percent of it. Yes, because it's, it's, I mean, I would hope that this would be um, understood by people and this is like a hard topic, I think, to talk about and use the right language, right? But um, uh, we are an overly um, policed people and that representation of 30% of Indigenous um, or at least 30% of the adult prison population being Indigenous isn't a representation of us or our culture but it's really just a consequence of the cycles you get trapped in and also um, the uh, very clearly um, uh, prejudiced reactions um, that either police or the justice system have towards Indigenous Indigenous people and it's I feel like it's easy for wider Australia to almost just forget about or overlook um, mob who are incarcerated and to hear those voices as well and to hear something that's just so um, emotional and um, uh, easy to connect with um, I think is very important to, I guess, produce the reality of what's actually happening for a good percentage of our population um, in Australia. So it is something that I, I don't know, I really admire the work that you're doing, the work that the Torch is doing as well because I feel like it's if you don't have people sort of um, trying to address this issue trying to connect with mob it's really easy for wider Australia just to sort of um, forget about which is very heartbreaking. No that's right and there can always be just the one side of the story how how bleak it is and how bad things are Mm. but again I think this is part of the ingeniousness of the mob who in the program is that the connecting points for people the access point in are these extraordinary beautiful expressions of of art and culture and that's that's the way to build the bridge and to under, for people to understand, well, hey, if, if these fellows are working so hard to do something about it, we should get on board with them. Absolutely. And so for any of our listeners, so this exhibition, it's on now. It's going until November 24th. So Future Dreaming, Visions of the Future. Um, reminder that you can catch it at the Torch Gallery. So this is, as you said before, actually off air, but this is the very first time that the Torch Gallery itself, so your, your own premises, is actually um, showcasing this exhibition. How does that make you feel? <laughs> oh, I think I'm still getting used to it. It's 12 and a half years um, and we've had a, a variety of accommodations over the, the journey. You know, yeah. We've been very fortunate to, to land where we have at 146 Elgin Street in the old historic post office. But you know, as I always say to our staff, well, good work attracts good people and, and you make your own luck. Yeah. So this gallery space in our new office is something that has been generously supported by our wonderful landlords who, again, once we shared the story of the torch and, and where we were with our resources, um, that they were able to to find it in their hearts a generosity to support us to be there to do this work. So 
the more we all walk together, yeah. the the better the outcomes we can we can uh, have. Because again, going back to these uh, numbers of uh, how much of the population are our mob, it's very small, and we've seen that reflected, you know, in some in a recent event. So we do need um, everyone to walk with us and to stand with us, mm. and the the generosity and support we receive, not only from you know funders, philanthropic organisations, government, wonderful people like our landlords, people see that it's common sense and it's working and there's no um, veiled agendas, there's no information that's not being held. It's it's very open, honest, it's quite raw, but it's, it's for want of a better word, it's successful. It's making a change, it's creating an impact and that's why I believe we have gathered so much support around this organisation over the 12 and a half year journey. Oh, absolutely. You can see it in the outcomes of your participants and also just in general, um, the growth with Torch, the growth of awareness, I feel that your program's bringing. Um, and so for any of our listeners, there are, so 200 and, um, where, I had my numbers before, I want to find the exact ones. There's 247 artworks that are on show right now for the next few weeks. You can buy them. They're actually quite um, uh, reasonably priced. So 230 to $330 is generally the price range that you're looking at. So affordable for something that is so beautiful and created from the heart and already 125 of the 247 artworks have been sold so i would encourage all of you listeners don't dilly uh, dilly dally um head on down to the torch gallery on elgin street Elgin, yep, 146 uh, Elgin Street. Yep. 146th Elgin Street. From Tuesday to Friday, you can access the exhibition from 1 to 5 p.m. On Saturdays, it's from 10 to 2 p.m. Um, go, you get experience of looking into 247 different visions of the future, seeing 247 different um, people and uh, stories being represented on these canvases. And you have the ability to take one home with you and to keep that story sort of being told as well, which is very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a beautiful scrolling mosaic of all the works on our website at thetorch.org.au so if you can't make it to our gallery or you're national I know there are people listening internationally well you can purchase them directly online Perfect so you heard it thetorch.org.au the torch just being one word .org.au look up Future Dreaming Kent Morris thank you so much for your time today and all the best with uh, the next few weeks Thanks Crystal thank you so much Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R every Sunday afternoon. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at IndigenuityAU.